This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I, I'm tempted to read the Wikipedia entry, but I suspect that, um, as always is the case, um, it's a little bit biased in the wrong direction. You, you've got 30, 35 odd years, if I'm correct, with polar bears. You are a zoologist, um, and you just said to me a few minutes ago, a former adjunct professor. Have I got that right? That's right, at the University of Victoria in um, in Canada. Okay, so just be, before we go any further. What is your general uh, history? Um, well, I've um, I've uh, I've got a, a specific interest in um, Arctic ecology right. and uh, and evolution, particularly speciation. And uh, I've, as I said, I've um, I've got dozens of peer-reviewed papers published in scientific journals on a variety of topics. Um, I was an adjunct professor between 2004 and 2019 until my um, views on polar bears um, caused my appointment to not be renewed. Um, But I also am co-owner of a private consulting firm called Pacific Identifications um, that identifies animal bones for biologists and archaeologists. So what you're saying is that you don't know much about animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so your your forte is uh, is polar bears. Now, um, I was just telling you before we went live, I, I watched a, a documentary on Netflix a few days ago uh, narrated by David Attenborough, and it was uh, showing... Uh, walruses falling off a cliff and it was all tragic and it it was just terrible and I, he was going on about how I must feel terrible about about my existence and, and the way I live my life but we know that for example um, these kinds of documentaries can be skewed not so what I mean y- you know what happened there yes well and you know our, our attention was was drawn to that because I've been um, uh, keeping up with the narrative on kind of trying to make walruses be another um, icon for climate change. Mm. And um, every time the uh, herds of mothers and calves come on shore for the summer, there's big, big reports in the news about how this is an indicator that they're in trouble and so on and so forth. When, in fact, if you go and look at the literature, which is what I do, go back to the science and discover that, in fact, the walrus have been doing that um, for decades Mm. and that this isn't a new phenomenon and that one of the things that happens with walruses is that their population goes up and down. And we happen to be at a really high point in terms of population numbers, which simply means that when the walrus come on shore, Um, during the ice free season they're going to be in larger herds because there's more of them and so it it really there is no there is no correlation between the levels of sea ice um, particularly and them coming ashore Mm. nor is there any correlation between the levels of sea ice and any drop in population or any you know starving walrus or any no reports of any of that kind of thing so I was already on the alert Mm. 
Um, and then when Attenborough um, made his first um, Netflix documentary showing um, walruses falling off cliffs and then blaming that on climate change, um, I knew that that um, was a bogus right. um Conclusion, but I also knew that there had been a report a few months before um, about polar bears driving walrus off the cliff, and so I suspected that in fact it was the presence of polar bears um, spooking the walruses that yeah. had actually caused them to fall off the cliff. And then Attenborough came out um, a few months later with a BBC um, documentary, actually with film showing the polar bears basically herding these walrus off the cliff so it's just so many of them die in that instance that what it does then it's uh, is leaves food for the bears to feed on so it, it really is a hunting strategy that they've learned mm. and it's been happening since 2007 and so it's not a, an absolutely new phenomenon so to yeah. to 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 see that attenborough and um, BBC and World Wildlife Fund, which were all involved in making both of these documentaries, um, to so dishonestly portray this particular event mm. um, was really disturbing. And you know, really, people should should know about this. And, and when when they see those kinds of claims, their their red flag should go up. You know, to say, yeah. you know, this really doesn't sound right. Uh so I mean that's why I, I, I was mentioning it now uh, because once you know that there is a manipulation of of the narrative um, then then you need to start looking at the follow-up documentaries with a bit of a critical eye and where I'm going with that is another narrative that has been dominating um, at least my media for years is that polar bears are dwindling in numbers and you've got a book out uh, which I've got and I recommend everybody buy it. It's in the link below. But it's called um, The Polar Bear Catastrophe That Never Happened. And I'm guessing that has to do now with the the story of dwindling polar bears and your research suggesting that it's not quite true. Well, um, one of the things to remember is that the dwindling polar bear narrative is about a prediction. It's one another one of these model predictions that um, suggested that in the future that numbers would go mm -hmm. down. But even at the time those predictions were made, polar bear numbers were fine. Yeah. So the the main prediction that I'm addressing is the one that was made in 2007 by American biologists who were um, presenting research to support getting the bears put on the U.S. endangered species list. So that was their goal, was to get, to get that to happen. And what their models were suggesting was that when the sea ice in the summer, not in the winter, right. but in the summer, declined to um, about 42% less than what had occurred in 1979, then their model suggested that two-thirds of the world's polar bears would be gone. And that would by, be... Sorry, by, by what uh, year? 
Um, and so that would be between 2040 to 2050 right. was when the ICE model suggested that would happen. And, and that so didn't it happen. Was, you know, at that time, it was considered to be decades into the future when that would happen. And even then, so the alarm bells were ringing. But but the problem was that, in, in fact, just a few months after that report was released in September 2007, already the sea ice in summer dropped abruptly. Mm. Um, in fact, to the levels that were not in pre uh, predicted to happen until mid-century. And in fact, the, the levels have stayed more or less at that, that level um, ever since that time. And so what I've been able to do is to, because their prediction was precise to say yeah. if the sea ice dropped to that level for eight out of ten years, this is what should happen. And in fact, after 10 years, that's what we could say. Okay, but if you don't mind me playing Dill's advocate just for a moment. Yep. How many polar bears are there? Uh, and I'm asking that because I'm guessing it's difficult to know because the conditions are, are, are very harsh. So uh, humans are probably not easily maneuverable in that area. And... Also, polar bears are dangerous. So, how how do we know what the numbers are? What is what is the official number, and 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 how do you uh, know what what the numbers are? Well, um, you're absolutely right. They are difficult to count. At the time that that prediction was made, the numbers that the biologists were using was twenty four thousand five hundred. Yeah. The official number right now that's used be, by the um, International Union for the Conservation of Nature, so that's the IUCN, they put out a red list. In 2015, they said the population was 26,000. So um, that seemed, would seem to indicate a slight increase in numbers but probably not, you know, within right. statistical limits. But what the predictions were saying was that the number would drop to about 8,000. Oh, no, that's quite different. So, you know, I mean, we know that it's difficult to get a precise number of how many, but certainly there's more than 8,000. Yeah, well, there's certainly more than 20,000. Yes. So, you know, we know that the, their prediction... Right. Was wrong. And is 20,000 or 25,000 considered endangered? No. No. And, and that's the thing, is that there are considered to be, the bears are widely distributed throughout their traditional habitat. Mm. There are no small, like, subpopulations that are, have declined um, in a repeated manner. Um, they're are still, you know, reproducing well, which is, by all biological accounts, a measure of a thriving species. But yeah. so the the um, status of threatened is based entirely on the predictions. So what is which is not true for any other animal, for, and and that's sure. the confusing part is that the polar bear was the first one where they used this future prediction mm. to base the conservation status on in instead of the current population size. Yeah, and, and so that's why it's confusing to people. And I think and I think what you're saying 
can f be extended to rhinoceroses, which which are, you know, under under threat, and they don't look at predictions. Uh, or projections to tell if they're in danger they look at the actual number of yep. rhinos exactly which exactly. which doesn't make sense then for polar bears no and and so and it's one of the things where you know i was going into um classrooms school classrooms mm. um a few years ago and because teachers wanted me to talk about polar bears and and i asked the teachers how many polar bears they thought were left in the world and the, the standard answer was between um, a few hundred to a few thousand. Oh, my word. And they were all flabbergasted to hear that the official estimate was 26,000. Because they were assuming that that, that um, status of threatened would not have been put on the bears unless their population was low. And so it, it really is a very confusing situation. Okay, but then why why are they continuing to to promote polar bears as um, in dire um, conditions? Well, because they really they started back in about the year two thousand, um, using it as an icon for climate change, mm. and and so it's really important for them to keep up this narrative right. of, of, of bears being in trouble. And that's why every time, you know, somebody takes a picture of a starving, starving polar bear, it goes viral on the internet mm. and, and everybody, you know, gets everybody all worked up, even though a polar bear specialist will tell you that mm. starvation is the leading cause of death. It's, you know, it's the only way that polar bears die. It's also the only way that, that, yeah, it's the, it's the way many animals in the, in the wild die. Um, exactly. there's, that, there's that famous image of that polar bear standing on that little piece of ice. Uh, yes. And I think that's been used so many times, and I think it's even been doctored a few times for, for dramatic effect. Yes. Um, yeah. But what I, what I want to know from you um, is, is the climate in the Arctic changing? Um, I, I, I don't know how to ask this. Um, yes, okay. Yes, the Arctic is changing, but is it changing to the point that it is affecting uh, the behavior of polar bears? Well, at some level, yes. I mean, it definitely is changing. There's mm. no, there's no um, denying the fact that the ice levels in summer have dropped, mm. and that, and that's, but they're not continuing to drop. As I said, they dropped really in 2007 for summer sea ice levels right. and have been kind of going up and down since then. Yeah. So there has not been a continuous dramatic decline. And what we see, for example, in an area um, in the Barents Sea, for example, um, for a number of years, the ice around the major archipelago called Svalbard um, was not high enough to support uh, polar bear females making their dens there over the winter mm. and so you know there were some specialists polar bear specialists who were you know um, hand wringing about you know what this was going to mean mm. well what the bears did was just went to another island archipelago that's just to the west that they traditionally use also still within the Barents Sea 
and but the ice is more stable there because it's not as influenced. Sorry, can I can I pause you? Where yeah. I, I don't know exactly know geographically where this area is. Just more or less on it's the map. Just, it's just north of Norway. Oh right, okay. So and it, it is actually governed by the um, Svalbard area is governed by and managed by okay. Norway. And the areas that the bears have moved to is called Franz Joseph right. Joseph Land, and it is owned by Russia. Oh. So it, yeah, so it's a split thing, but with the area, the polar bear area is called the Barents Sea because that's the geographic area. Okay, so I just want to understand something more from you, if you don't mind. Yep. I'm guessing that because of the because of the environment in which polar bears live they are incredibly hardy animals i mean those are that's a, that's pretty one of the most extreme conditions in which you can live how long have polar bears been around well um that is um a contested issue right. to say the least um there's been some genetic work done Unfortunately, just about every new paper that comes out comes up with a different answer. But it seems to be somewhere between 400,000 and 600,000 years. So um, they're a, a young species in the Arctic relative to other animals. And just to give you um, a basis like um, bearded seal and ring seal, which are the primary prey species, have been in the Arctic for more than two million years. Sure. And so polar bears are relative newcomers. But still, we know from uh, geology that the sea ice levels have changed dramatically right. up and down, yeah. even over 600,000 years. And so there, there has been lots of periods with much more ice and also periods with much less ice even than, than what we have now. So they can clearly so handle the, changes in, in the climate. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, what? to be honest, what we don't know is how much the population might have gone up or down during those periods because, mm. you know, nobody was around to count them. But clearly they survived through too much ice and too little ice um, so that they could be um, the thriving species that they are today. Are there more polar bears now than what there were, say, 10,000 years ago? Or uh, name you can name any era. I just want to know an average well, count. We don't, we don't know for know. sure. But there are some indications from genetics. And, you know, it's a bit hard to know how much weight to put on those. But that there there's some indication from genetics that there was a drop in numbers at the end of, um, or during the last ice age, which would suggest that having too much ice, like all of the ice during mm. the ice age that pushed them out, out of um, the polar basin and really left them just living on the edge of that sea ice mass, um, that that had a de more devastating effect on their numbers than the warm period with less sea ice in the summer than um, that came before that. Okay, so so polar bears are a good indication of climate change. Would that would that be correct? And if, in other words, uh, if, if if polar bear numbers are going down, then that's not 
then that means the earth is warming uh, in some very crude sense. No, no, because I'm, not, I'm actually saying the opposite. Right. The, the little evidence that we have is that it's the really cold periods, like a, an ice age period would cause polar bear numbers to go down, but warm periods... Why? Sorry, um, why would that be, though, if they, if they do well in cold areas? Because there, there is um, a, a threshold, mm. and that what has happened during, what happened during the last ice age was that there was so much ice that it pushed the bears out to the edges I'm and really did reduce their habitat even in winter. So uh, it uh, and and in the last warm period there was less ice in summer, but bears the polar bears really don't need ice in the summer. They need ice in winter and in spring. Those are, yeah. those are the critical times. So in that in that documentary I mentioned earlier, uh, there was an episode or there was a scene in which they were showing polar bears walking on a lot of flat ice, and uh, David Attenborough made the made the comment that, and I, I can't quite remember what the reasoning was, but he said because of climate change, the the, the ice on which they're walking is flatter and make making it harder for them to hunt um, i couldn't remember the reasoning behind that but um he, he was making the he was making the the implication that they have to work walk much further to find food um, and that that didn't quite make sense to me if if the ice uh, retreats in summer and then expands in winter as it always has done yeah i i think that what he was referring to was that there was a study that looked at the movement of ice and um, that study suggested that in some instances it meant that bears would have to move against the flow of the ice so that it would be like walking on a treadmill mm. right. so that they would have to use more energy to get to where they wanted to go um, to counter the flow of the ice, but you know, really, that was um, uh, a very isolated study that I, I don't think really had applications to the the general population or to you know to other other areas of the world. Just to just to double check something, polar bears um, eat seals. Um, are, are seal numbers still fine in the Arctic? Yes. Um, mind you, there have been no studies mm. on the seals, and that's you know the other um, the other problem is um, there are no firm counts of seals, mm. but certainly the the primary um, evidence that we have is from the area in the Chukchi Sea, which is the area between. Alaska and Russia in just north of the Bering Sea there um, and they've been doing studies on the seals the ring seals and bearded seals in those areas and what they've found is that those seals are doing much better with less ice in summer than they were doing in the 80s so they're they're fatter they're having more pups so they're doing really well and that would suggest their numbers are increasing because that's usually what happens right. when when 
things are going well. And so that is also counter to the predictions. Right. They, the experts um, suggested that if the ice in summer went down, that the seal numbers would drop, would drop, and that's not what they're finding. And it turns out, which they should have known, is that those seal species do most of their feeding during the summer when there's no ice. And so if that period is longer, they have longer time to feed, longer time to get fat, and, and that improves their health. So um, it, it suggests that that pattern is true around the Arctic because those seal species are present throughout the Arctic and that's why they're so important to the bears and is undoubtedly one of the reasons why the bears are continuing to thrive. In a, in a weird counterintuitive way, it sort of makes sense that if there, if there was a lot more ice, um, there would be a lot more ground to cover for the polar bears to hunt and almost almost would, would be a negative thing because that yes exactly and one of the one of the things is that um you, you know you hear people talking about well there's less thick ice that the ice is getting thinner and that that's a problem well there's there may be other reasons why mm. having less thick ice might be an issue but for polar bears it's a good thing because the seals that they eat need that ice to be not too thick. Yes. In, uh, in, in fact, may I interrupt you and just uh, show you yeah. a little bit of my knowledge? <laughs> sure, um, absolutely. So, so on that sea ice, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but underneath the sea ice, there's, an, there's a type of algae that grows. Um, and that algae attracts other sea life, which then attracts things like seals and other kinds of uh, bigger fish. And then, of course, the polar bears have more food because there are more seals, etc., etc. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I actually saw that on that on that uh, on that documentary, and I, I never realized that there can be life growing on underneath ice, and 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 yes. and that's very important to uh, um, in terms of sea ice because it floats. You can't have that on on, yes. on massive massive uh, 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 pieces of ice that go very deep down. Yes, and so it's one of the reasons why when you look at the distribution of polar bears, they tend to be like um, not too far from shore mm. because that's where the shallow areas around the Arctic are and that's where the bears are highest in numbers. Just uh, in terms of the animals themselves, um, are polar bears pack animals? Are they, uh, do they live on their own? Are they family orientated? No, they're... they're um, they're um, isolated, so they live in in fair isolation, um, except for mothers with cubs. So the cubs stay with their mothers for between um, two and three years sometimes. Um, but other than that, you have the the uh, problem of adult males will sometimes kill. The, the cubs mm. so for that reason mothers with cubs stay away from adult males and the only time where they the bears seem to congregate is during the summer like when the ice retreats if they're left if they're um, on shore spending the summer on shore then they actually do tolerate in, in close 
proximity to each other because the mating season is over. They're usually in their best condition of the year. Mm. They're usually quite fat. And so they, 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 there is no um, pressure for them to be fighting or worrying about each other. Uh, polar bears on apex predator. That's correct. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. If if climate change isn't their number one uh, problem, what is hu- humans, perhaps? Yes. Well, d- definitely, we've already shown that the kind of wanton overhunting that went on in the late 1800s and the early 20th century was was absolutely devastating to them and so that really is their overhunting is their um their biggest threat are they, and we've addressed you know are they protected now yes they're protected they're pro- they were protected internationally in 1973 so they've been protected for quite a long time and it's the other issue that comes up with relation to numbers so all of these polar bear specialists keep trying to um, imply that the population has remained stable since the early Mm. 1990s but in fact for all other species that were protected in the early 70s and you can probably come up with examples from Africa yourself, mm. that they just go up and up. You know, um, um, humpback whales were right. protected about the same time, and now in um, mo- most of them have been taken off the endangered species list because there's so many. And so the, it's, there's an odd, odd insistence by the polar bear community that polar bear numbers... Um, have not grown. Why do you think and that is, though? I find that pecu- I find it peculiar. Well, partly, partly there is the whole unknown about Russia. Is that you know there and um, that part of that I think goes back to kind of the Cold War animosity between the U.S. and Russia. Politics. And um, but you know clearly Russia hasn't had um, the the money to put towards doing a count, although just recently, it came out a few weeks ago actually, that they have a plan, that they're, they are going to do a population survey of their entire country um, over the next five years. So, you know, that, that will make a huge difference. Um, that's if the Western biologists actually um, accept the numbers they come up with. Wait, so because are, uh, they've got a tradition of saying, "Well, you know, yeah, but they did it this way, and we don't th- we don't think that's good enough." Oh, hang on, so I, I just want to understand this. Are you suggesting that there are much more polar bears in Russia that, uh, that's currently n- known? Yes, yes, because and that could, there are uh, that could dramatically that it could it could add somewhere between eight and ten thousand. Good heavens. Of the number that we have, um, because not, none of their areas have been surveyed recently, and some uh, some areas not at all. What if, what if the ice were to disappear? Now I I've only ever seen a polar bear in a zoo, uh, so I I know that it it can survive without ice. Uh, let's just as a thought experiment, let's just pretend for a second that all the ice in the Arctic disappeared. Would would the polar bears disappear also with that? 
I would say yes, because um, they they are they are adapted mm. to eat primarily fat, and that that's important. And if the ice would um, disappear, um, then the seals would be forced to have their pups on land. So there might there might be enough mm. for them for them to live like along the coastlines for for a while. Um, but if the seals were subjected to real, that kind of really intense predation, they might not survive for long. Right. And the thing is that that other than there's the productivity of the land is not very high mm. in in those areas of the Arctic, and there is a few areas where there are grizzly bears that live, and in those instances the polar bears would be in competition. And also because they're white, they're very they would they would very easily be noticeable on land. Well, I don't think that that's going to matter so much. Mm. And, and, you know, it might be for their ability to hunt seals on land. Um, and that might, that might make a difference. Um, but I think it's more likely that um, in, in the, some areas it would be um, interactions with the grizzlies because grizzlies are dominant. And they and they would chase off they would chase off the polar bears and so they would exclude them mm. from good areas. And grizzly bears can eat on vegetation; they can live on vegetation, but polar bears cannot. Oh, so so unless polar no, so polar bears if they don't have access to um, high fat levels, then sure. they're going to be gone. So wait, hang on. So are you saying grizzly bears can eat a vegetarian diet while polar bears can't? Yes. Sure, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so that's the that's the primary difference between right. them, really, is that, um, and that's the specialization that polar mm. bears have, is that, you know, they they need to eat that fat to keep them going. You're welcome to to laugh at, at this question, um, but <laughs> why are there no polar bears in the Antarctic? Is it simply because they didn't ever make it there? over the over the years or is there an actual climatic difference that is just not compatible with with them well i think it would be um no it would be climactically um compatible but um polar bears evolved from grizzly bears which only live in the northern hemisphere and so that's primarily the reason and they couldn't move to um, mm. the Antarctic because no no ice could ever survive getting through the tropics. So let's I mean again as another thought experiment but, but let's say now that there was a ship traveling uh, down to the Antarctic and they took polar bear cubs with them. Or not polar bear cubs yeah. but let's say a, a mother and a, and, a, and, a, and a male a female and a male I beg your pardon. Yeah. And try to uh, create a, a population of polar bears. Do you think that they could adapt and live there? I think so. Yes, because there are seals and, for them to eat on, and to, penguins to feed on, and that was yeah, and penguins. And so you know, there would there certainly would be food. Um, you know, it would then upset 
the balance that's going on there, but that would probably take a while mm. for that to have an impact. But certainly, if if they were put there, then there there would be things for them to eat, and I, I think they would be fine. Have um, have polar bears ever lived anywhere else other than the Arctic? I, I'm guessing the answer is no. No, no. And but what is interesting is that there are some areas of the Arctic where there are no polar bears, where you might expect there to be some. For example. And for example, the Sea of Okutsk, which is between the Kamchatka Peninsula in the far east of Russia, and and you have. Um, both of the seal species that polar bears eat. There's a number of whales that also go into the Arctic. It freezes over. There's ice there in the winter. So it's got all of what you might consider to be the correct conditions. Um, but as far as we know, there's no no polar bears live there now. And as far as we know, they never have. Sheesh. And the same is true for the Baltic, uh, you know, in Scandinavia that area there where there's also seals there's also ice in the winter but there are no polar bears goodness me you you said earlier that that your um adjunct um position was revoked now what is it that you said that's so controversial that that would have had that would have made that happen uh the problem is that i i really don't know um we ha we have to go back a little bit um, to 2017 um, and well, I have to preface it by, by pointing out that since 2009 I had been participating in um, a program that the university has that's called the Speakers Bureau and what it does is put you know community groups and school yeah. like teachers in touch with um, um, st both students and professors who are have things to say and so I had been giving lectures on polar bears um, to the community um, since 2009 and in 2016 uh, I because I was constantly being asked by um, elementary school teachers to come and talk to children I put together a, a special presentation for children um, and as I said earlier I, I had um, one of the questions I asked the teachers were um, how many do you think are left and at some point um, in the fall or the spring rather of 2017 um, when it was time to sign up for the next year um, I, it, I was refused to continue um, participating in this Speakers Bureau. And when I asked, they said it was because there had been complaints from parents um, that some of my lectures were not balanced. Now, you know, that was no one asking me what I had said. Mm. No one asked to see my presentation. As far as I know, like no parents were present mm. at these lectures. That there were teachers and and students. So anyway, it was um, uh, it very much felt like this was political pressure being 
put by the university um, on the speakers bureau to stop me from speaking to the community and then two years later when my adjunct status came up for renewal it was denied so you were saying that the polar bear population is actually quite healthy and this of course is not what they wanted to hear they they would have preferred to have heard that it's uh, uh, terrible it's a uh, very exactly. I don't exactly. th- you know and I don't I don't get that I don't get that either and you know I was really trying to be what I thought was responsible as a scientist which was to give the children information about polar bears that they would be interested Mm. in and that they needed to know, you know, in understanding Arctic ecology without frightening them, you know, like making them them upset about, you know, dying polar bears. And um, it turned out that, no, everybody wanted me to frighten the children. On a scale of 1 to 10, how convinced would you say you are of uh, your interpretation of the data, if 10 being is absolutely convinced? Of the what? Um, of the data, that, uh, your interpretation of the data that the numbers are quite healthy. How, how convinced are you? Oh, um, uh, that the numbers are healthy? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm very convinced because, as I said, I've been going through the literature and and I can see where where the um, the numbers have been um, artificially uh, um, re- repressed and and um, made to look lower than they really are. So I I'm really quite convinced that there there could be um, as many as thirty nine thousand sure. at the present time. And that would be from going, for example, using an area um, like the Chukchi Sea, where they did a recent survey and came up with an estimate of about 3,000 bears. Well, if you use that estimate to to look at the other areas of Russia and and provide numbers for that, then you come up with an estimate mm. that's about, and I think that is a plausible and uh, a scientifically defensible estimate at the moment it's it's observable data not not based not based on computer models exactly right exactly and and so you know the 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 polar bear experts are still saying that if sea ice in the summer declines you know completely so that there's no ice left at all that, that that then you know our our other our other prediction was wrong but then, then the polar bears are really going to be in trouble. Um, but really, it doesn't look like that's the case. Is that um, the research that they have been doing um, that is now in the scientific literature really suggests that as long as the bears are able to feed as heavily as they need to in the spring, so that would be from April until until June that they can actually survive a five to six month fast sure. over the summer. Yeah, look, I don't think I can go more than a day without eating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just to, <laughs> I just want to okay, so I want to I want to make sure that I've that I've got everything that you're saying correct. So you're saying from about 
I, I forget now the what year it was in the 70s, but basically in the 1970s till today, the numbers have been increasing. Is that correct? Yes. And and I I the the numbers I think have been artificially um, dampened to make it look like it's they're not increasing, but that's a factor mm. of no surveys been done in Russia. No recent surveys been done in a number of areas, and so you know I I really think that you you have to go on um, the last few surveys we have that are in recent years that are good numbers, and then extrapolate to other regions that are similar, and that's how I came up with my number of thirty nine thousand. Why were the numbers not increasing prior to the seventies? There were no there were no counts done before then. Oh, I understand. So okay. there, yes. So there there was no data at all on on how many there might have been. Sure. And and so all we can go on are like some of the estimates of the numbers of bears that were um, shot during the period of overhunting, mm-hmm. and certainly there were a lot. Are polar bears a threat to to humans? Uh, I, I I don't quite know the, the the distribution of polar bears, but I I suspect that some of them would venture very close to towns or cities. Well, what's been happening now is that because there are so many polar bears now compared to say 1960, is that they, they definitely are, they can come ashore at any time of year, not just the summer. Um, many of them have learned now that if there is a community, that community will have a garbage dump <laughs> and that people and that people store food. Right. In a lot of the areas of the Arctic, the people live on the same food that polar bears eat. In other words, they hunt seals, they hunt whales, for their fat, and so there is um, a problem. And um, in a number of areas in recent years, there have been um, quite considerable problems of bears coming ashore and threatening people. But are polar bears scared of humans? Sometimes. And, And it depends on the situation and the bear's state of mind because um, there are times when like one of the incidents in 2018 there uh, was a group of hunters that was attacked by by a bear and they had a rifle shot at her and she refused to stop she kept coming and so, like, that's the problem. In in an uh, in another situation, another bear might have run away. And so you can't you can't say one way or the other mm. that it's always going to work to try and scare them off. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always. Um, you're in Canada. I- I'm guessing you have interacted with polar bears up close. No, I have not. Oh, okay. Um, I I don't I don't do field research. Um, it's it's not my specialty. But 
the, the thing is about my my background as a zoologist is that doing um, the research to do a PhD, what it teaches you is to go and look at the scientific research mm. and to look at it critically yeah. and to put it in the context of a bigger picture. And so that's that's the skill that I've applied to um, these polar bear issues is I've gone back to the literature from when polar bear research first started in the 60s and 70s and looked at the information that was being generated then and comparing it to what's happening now. And so one of the reasons why some of these polar bear experts are unhappy with some of my comments is one, that no one's ever questioned them before. And another, that I use their own paper, their own data to support support my arguments. I'm not I'm not making stuff up. I'm not going out and collecting the information. I'm using the information they've collected themselves mm. and pointing out, listen, you said this in nineteen seventy six. Now you're saying this. Right. Someone uh someone in the comments is um is is worried about the fact that you haven't done uh, field work. But I don't you, you've just explained that it's not critical to, to looking at data. No, absolutely. You don't have to put a collar on a polar bear to mm. look at published figures about numbers and, um, and other data in, or, in order to make a scientific um, assessment mm. of whether that's valid or not. And I, al- I always... Um, include um, references when I when I do my blog posts and um, I've written a scientific paper on on this um, that's available online Mm. and it's um, you can if someone wants to make an argument that I've misrepresented something or that I my argument isn't valid then then fine, like come at me with your argument, but mm. don't suggest that I can't, I'm not, uh, I don't have the expertise to make that argument just because I haven't patted a polar bear on the head. Yeah, I think I think that what you're saying is true because, I mean, a lot of people can do research on elephants or rhinos without necessarily going and uh, living in a hut uh, alongside an elephant or a rhino. Uh, you can look at the numbers that 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 are already published, yes. and all the data. Yeah, so I mean, I I understand what you're saying. Uh, I just want there was something I wanted to ask you earlier. Just it wasn't science related, but let's just pretend for a second, in the unlikely event that you come up close to a polar bear, what is the best response to it? <laughs> I mean, I'm in the southern hemisphere, so it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. But <laughs> Well, one of the things that um, I've discovered from all my reading um, is that um, polar bears have their own language of aggression. And one of the things that a polar bear does, if it's cornered and is telling another bear, like, back off, is to hiss. Sure. And that will, that's a signal they understand. And I've actually 
I, I read that and then I saw it used by a Russian photographer who was all dressed in white, you know, to kind of conceal himself. And he was trying to get um, real close-ups with a camera and allowing the bears to get really close. Mm. And when they got too close for comfort for him, he would just hiss at them. Wow. And they would back right off. Sure. So, And I, I knew what he was doing when he did that. and But it was interesting to see how well it actually worked. But if a bear was actually intent on eating you, no, then you will. I don't think that that would work. Not for very long, anyway. Mm. Um, you've got quite an extensive knowledge on on sort of evolution as well, in, in, with relation to polar bears. Uh, where do they come from? What is the what is the polar bear's lineage? Well, uh, I mean, again, there are um, conflicting reports, but I. I think the one that makes the most sense in terms of all the information that's available is Ireland. And so there, there was a population of grizzly bears living in Ireland. And so what I would imagine is, so you have grizzly bears living in Ireland and an ice age comes and what it does is gradually come with a big ice sheet and pushing, pushing the bears further and further, and you know, con mm. contracting the the habitat where they can live, and that eventually some of them figure out that there's seals out there on the ice that they can eat, and and that that's that's the impetus. So they almost certainly had to have evolved during an ice age period, mm. when there would be that kind of movement of ice. And it would have to happen in a place where the ice was coming from the north and pushing them. And Ireland is just about the only place there is where that could take place. And what we know from genetics is right. that they are very close. So you you said there are conflicting uh, stories. What what would be one of the conflicting stories? Well, um, there there was one report that was suggesting that um, that the bears e evolved during um, a warm period, which I, I thought was very strange. And but in that case, they weren't providing um, uh, a rationale for their mm. decision. They were just um, using the data that they had, like the gen genetic data, and putting it on a timeline and seeing that, that it it came out during a warm period and but it's one of the um, problems that I have with some geneticists who are often their all of their expertise is in doing genetic work they are not experts in evolution or geology or any of those things mm. and and so you know they sometimes publish things like that that yeah. don't make sense in terms of the big picture like you you can't propose there's no sense in proposing that polar bears evolved from grizzly bears um a million years ago when in fact we have no evidence that grizzly bears even lived a million years ago you know, like you have to have the evidence to back that up. And so it looks like that um, grizzly bears actually 
the oldest fossils of those are only just under a million years old. Sure. Um, just before. So you have you have to uh, you have to make sure that all those pieces of evidence fit together, and often um, some of these papers mm. d don't go that extra step. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Uh, someone, someone in the comments is saying, like the out of Africa theory based only on genetics. I'm not quite certain I understand that question. Um, um, I, I, I think that what he's getting at that there are some um, papers and, and theories coming out about human evolution that are based only on genetics and not, and again, not about what we've got in the fossil record, mm. what was going on in terms of geology and changing climates at the time, those kinds of things. And so it's, um, some of them are, are just, are not always put into the bigger perspective. Uh, Susan, just for a bit of fun, because we are nearing uh, an hour, uh, someone um, asked, did uh, climate change kill the woolly mammoth? <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things that happened was that um, the the ice sheets that covered um, the northern hemisphere um, they created a kind of new habitat. And what happened when the ice retreated was that that habitat started to disappear. And so it uh, it really uh, it really did. Um, the end of the Ice Age meant the end of the woolly mammoth, um, except for a few places where they hung on um, for a bit longer. Okay, but then quickly tell me about the elephant, because they seem to be, in my very limited knowledge, they seem to be related. Well, they definitely are related, but um, I'm trying to remember what the age is. I mean... A woolly mammoth is an ice age species in the mm. sense that it's it's um, connected to um, the ice ages, um, but it does come out of the elephant lineage. Right. Um, but it needs a particular kind of habitat, and I think that what has happened is that there has. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that because I can't remember the the actual details on the woolly mammoth evolution. I think I think a very good documentary uh, to watch would be that one called Ice Age. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you know now I've got so many things <laughs> running in my head that I can't I can't hold on to to all of those bits of information. But it's a good question, um, and the the point. Partly of it is that the polar bear is an ice age species as well, mm. and it's one of the few that has managed to hold on. Right. You know, now that that ice age has passed, and also the there's also a muskox, but um, a polar bear is doing very well. Right. And as an ice age species. Yeah, someone's saying it's uh, it's still a bit of a mystery, uh, the whole woolly mammoth story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Susan, sure. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it's a very original conversation because not many people chat about polar bears. Um, but uh, 
But thank you very, very much. Uh, I, I do have the links to your website and the book on Amazon for people to buy, which I would recommend. Um, I have it. Um, as I said to Susan just before we went live, I am very ashamed to say I've not read the book yet um, because I'm, I'm busy with a few others. Uh, but I will read it very soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let me sorry, I see another comment just popped in. I'll read it to you quickly. Uh, put it like this. We are currently living closer to the time of Cleopatra than what Cleopatra does to the creation of the pyramids. And a species was found 13,000 years old. I have no idea what that comment means. I read it as I as it as it came yeah, through no i'm not sure I, i'm not sure i understand what point they're trying to I, make I, I i think i think what he's saying is is that where we are today we're closer to cleopatra than what cleopatra was to the construction of the pyramids um but i'm not quite certain how that links to to polar bears but it is an interesting no. timeline <laughs> thought experiment yes. well i mean but i have to say that that i'm um, very impressed that there uh, are people like yourself in in uh, South Africa who are interested in this topic, and because mm. as you you said when we were talking earlier, I mean it it informs on a lot of the issues of conservation that you uh, you have going where you are, and and we, we can all learn something uh, about those different issues um, because of that. Well. Um, yes, well, I mean, one of the great things about South Africa is that we, we are very conscious of, uh, of conservation. Uh, we have a, a great variety of very big animals. Um, and so, mm -hmm. so, so and, and my wife being a vet adds to the, to, at least to my own interest with the, with the talking point. Um, sorry, and the, uh, the comment is you just clarified what you're saying. You're saying that the mammoth is 13,000 years old. Is that correct? Uh, um, well, that's um, that was when some of the when most of them disappeared. Oh, right. So uh, yeah. So yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.